Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 262 of Yogaland. Today, my guest is none other than my husband, Jason Crandall. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good. Good. It's been a long time since we've done this. It, it has been. I have been on the verge of a mental breakdown. <laughs> Just like get a, right to it. Give, mm-hmm. him, give him the real, keep it real and give him the real update. For months upon months. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a function of all the content I've been filming. Yes. I am building the 200-hour all online training. Yes. Which will happen sometime this fall. Right. And I don't know if anyone knows, but 200 hours is a lot of content to to film. Especially by yourself. By yourself in a in a room. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I'm super excited about it. <laughs> I really am. Good. Yeah. That's and good. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that I now that so much of it is starting to come together, it's just the it's just anyone that does like when you just whatever it is when you're involved in a big project, it's both exciting but complex and daunting. I mean, I'm just gonna also bring things back down to earth here by saying that you know we realize more and more as as we observe our child and her quirks that it's not just recording the content; it's the nature of your brain. It's me and my quirks. Yeah. Yeah. It's the nature of your that. brain. Yeah. So you have a, a, a high ability to hyper-focus and yes. be, you know, real, you're, I think, I have said this privately. I don't, I don't know if, I think you're a genius at what you do. But, <laughs> but when you're not hyper-focused, man, um, yeah. you are a ding-dong. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a pinball, just like <laughs> bouncing around this existence in, a, in the most like, in the most random and inefficient way, but and and anyway. then that stresses you out. That's what's that's what or something. I we're not we don't quite know. That, yeah, we're gonna have to start paying people, <laughs> listeners, therapy, <laughs> therapy dollars. Forget about donating to the podcast. We'll donate to you for listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. How Tell us, send us your Venmo, and, yeah. and we'll 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 send you nothing. Yeah, but as a function of thinking about all this teaching. I created a somewhat snarky Instagram post. And it I don't actually think it was very offensive. And it's interesting because a lot of students, including a lot of my students, wrote back with kind of a, a complimentary or countervailing narrative to the one I had put out. And as I thought about what I wrote, and yes, I'm going to read it and talk more about it, and the complimentary or countervailing narrative that a lot of people presented, I thought, this is really interesting. Let's just have an open conversation about both sides of this spectrum. And I put out snarky pieces of content all the time, but it's almost always self-referential. Like, it's me It's me making fun of myself. Right. Right? Like, I am 99.9% of the time the target of my dry cynicism right. when it comes out. Like, I have to target myself, right? But this was a little bit broader, and it started this conversation that I think is really interesting that I've been reflecting on quite a bit. Okay, so why don't you read us the okay. post? So here's the post. It goes, it does this. It starts here. 
here's some pretty bad advice that, strangely, I hear repeated all too often. Yoga teachers should do their 200-hour training, then wait a few years before doing their 300-hour training. Of course, you can wait, and due to your financial and personal situations, you may need to wait. No problem. But choosing to wait so that your 200-hour training, quote, sinks in is another thing entirely. To see how bad this advice actually is, let's look at it in other professions. Quote, you should do one semester of medical school, then practice medicine for a while to let those hours sink in before learning everything else, end quote. Quote, you should do your first 200 hours of your architectural degree, then draw some buildings for a few years before going back and completing your edu- education, end quote. Final one, quote, you should go to law school, but only for the first year. Then you should show up at the courtroom for 20 hours every week and give people advice. After that, go back to law school and finish your degree, end quote. And then the final, like, then the last paragraph is this. Teaching yoga is a profession, and the sooner our education reflects this profession, the more confident, comfortable, and skillful we'll be. Again, if your life circumstances are such that waiting between trainings is necessary, this is not a problem. Don't stress yourself out about this. If you're content with having a foundational training, no worries. There are exceptional teachers that are helping the world with a 200-hour degree. But if the choice is equal, always choose education and choose it sooner rather than later. So the interesting thing to me, and actually that's the point that I care so much about communicating, is that if you have a choice... And we don't always have choices as to when we do things. Yeah. We don't have the financial choice. We don't have the the personal choice. We don't have the time choice. Mm -hmm. But if there is a choice to increase your education, choose that choice. Right. And make that choice sooner rather than later. Okay. So tell me what the – tell me some good points people made when they wrote back. So there's two bits of context that I want to put in, okay? One, which is – I taught yoga for two years with zero structured teacher training. Zero. Like many people of a certain generation, especially in the, I almost said 1900s. <laughs> uh, like well, the 19, it was the 20th century. It totally was. Like many people in the 20th century. <laughs> uh, like many people of a certain generation, a certain distinguished the generation. The AARP generation is hey, that what you're? You got the AARP. I did, I did everyone, but that's a, that's a topic for another me. time. I and many of us taught without any structured education. The majority of us that were teaching at some point in the 90s or earlier than that, we just practiced yoga. We liked it. We did it a lot consistently. And our teacher said, hey, will you take this class? We were winging it. We were totally winging it. And it was through that experience of having zero education. Mm -hmm. I went from having zero education and teaching for a couple of years, realizing like, oh, teaching yoga is not the same thing as practicing yoga. There's an entirely different skill set. And so I enrolled in the shortest training that I could enroll in at the time, which was two years and over a thousand hours. So my experience, I I need everyone to know is I taught yoga and I think I helped people with zero hours of teacher training, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not diminishing having no training and I'm Mm -hmm. not diminishing having 200 hours of training, Mm -hmm. but having done this for a long time in my experience 
having more education provides us with more opportunities. It seems like your overall point is that if you have the ability to keep continue your training like in a sequence, then do it. In, in other words, there's no what the point that you were making in that post is that there isn't some magical advantage to waiting X number of years between a 200 hour and a 300 hour. I do not believe there is. Right. But so let's, yeah, here the second thing that is like the big bit of feedback and experience. And to be honest, the thing that I had completely overlooked, right. In that I want to own and, and put out there is I had forgotten that, like because drawing on my experience, I was teaching concurrent with my teacher training programs, right? Because I actually was teaching before I did any teacher training, it's not like I stopped teaching during those two years of teacher training. I continued to teach. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to teach not just after the 200-hour mark and after the 300-hour mark and after the 500 mark and so on. I was teaching concurrent. Okay. But what a lot of people have brought up, which I think is really fair to consider, I don't think it fundamentally changes my perspective, but it certainly balances it out, is that most people don't teach at all before they're done with their 200-hour training. Hmm. And so they've done 200 hours and they don't have any experience applying that content. Hmm. And so it can be a very good idea for them. So, so my aversion was to have this idea that there's this magical number where now it's going to sink in. But what people are articulating is if you don't have any experience teaching, you might want to have a certain amount of experience teaching after that first 200 hours mm -hmm. to continue on, mm -hmm. right? That if you aren't teaching concurrently, yeah, right? And I think that that's a really important point and really a huge, from my own bias perspective that I overlooked mm -hmm. because it was so totally different than my experience. Mm. But now it is the experience now because no one gets to start teaching. You won't get hired. You won't get you hired. $200. So you might teach your friends, you might teach your family, you might kind of show them this and that. But no one really gets time on the job teaching before they've completed their 200 hour because they're not going to get hired with that. Mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting is when you read those examples, the first two, the MD example and the architecture example, I'm not, well, the thing that came to mind for me is in those professions in particular, there's a strong hierarchy. And so you you wouldn't interrupt your med school, right, to go be a doctor before you got your full MD. But there are residencies and there are fellowships where you are being strongly monitored and mentored while you are applying your knowledge in the, you know, in the real scenario. Sure. And then I, I'm pretty sure with architecture, there's also like a strong mentorship or internship. I can't, re I just, I had a friend when I was in my late 20s, who had gone to architecture school. Um, and I don't know that you 
necessarily get hired right away. Like you might have to do it. I mean, in magazines, you also also even have to, well, it used to be that you had to do an internship first. So so that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And a lot of people have brought that up. Like that was Naomi brought that up. A bunch of people brought that up, right? And one of the things that I want to just acknowledge right now is I have, as a teacher, always prized among students and try to facilitate among students critical thinking skills. So one of the things that I actually really like is the vast majority of people that brought things like that up are people that have finished my trainings, uh-huh. right? It's not, right, right? The, people, the majority of people that have finished my trainings aren't necessarily in lockstep with me about everything all the time. Right. And I genuinely love that, yeah. right? For a lot of different reasons. Here's my slight pushback on this, which is the reason that it doesn't feel the same to me to say, well, a doctor has residency or, you know, a student of law is going to intern with the firm, Mm -hmm. right? Or in education, you're going to get your bachelor's degree and then you're going to get move on and get your master's of education. And there's some usually some time in between. Or also some people have brought up like, well, a lot of people in their college, they take a break, they take a gap year, right? So I think what is different for me is that in those scenarios, you have much more baseline of education first, Mm. right? So 200 hours, even though I told everyone publicly somehow that I was on the verge of a mental breakdown for the last, (laughs) which I'm not, obviously, but like 200 hours is a lot of hours. That's not nothing, especially depending on the quality of that program. Yeah. But... 200 hours is the equivalent at university of one 15-hour semester, 15-credit-hour semester. Oh, okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the baseline level of education in yoga, no matter how good that baseline education is, it's still relatively much less than the baseline level of education in med school before you have your residency. Right. Before, but you know what I mean? So, so. Thank God. I mean, really. <laughs> thank God. Really, right. They're not the same thing. And this is kind of Nam wrote like this. We're kind of, he said that I'm comparing like apples to oranges. Yeah. And, and it's true. It is, it is true. No, but I see your point. But, but I, but I think, I think what my underlying point, let me, let me, let me take it back to this. There is nothing – I see this especially now that I've done this job for so long. There is nothing like time on the job. There is nothing like lived experiences. You can have 100 hours or 20,000 hours of education. And if you haven't done the job, you're not going to be very good at the job for a while, right? There just isn't. There's no amount of education – that is going to make you perfectly and completely ready to go from the education to the job, right? And so my kind of thought on this, and I want you to give me perspective if I'm being crazy, is whether you start letting this stuff sink in by teaching when you've finished your 200 hour, or whether you start teaching when you finished your 500 hour, it's still going to be really difficult. It's mm-hmm. still going to be really awkward. You're going to have a ton of stuff that you're just going to have to learn on the job. 
And so my point is, you can learn those things quicker and easier with greater education before you start. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think about is this, right? And, And this is something that comes from experience. The longer you do something, the harder it is to change that thing, right? So if I have less education and I start teaching, I am more likely to make more basic technical mistakes. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to know as much. And so I'm more likely to teach in a way where I have certain technical errors and things that are not fleshed out correctly, right? And speaking for myself, do I still make mistakes? No, of course not. No, of course I do, right? But after my thousand hour program, did I know much more and was I much more technically and conceptually clear with what I was teaching than before that? Yes. And so the more education that I had, the less mistake making I had to change over time. I've had to make a lot of changes over time. But I think what I'm trying to communicate Or even just like habits. Like you weren't that, ba- that's exactly you weren't baking right. yeah. in like, you know, habits of of um yeah. Just I mean, part of it for me, what comes up for me too is how much practice teaching should a 300 hour offer. Well, I think the practice teaching of a 200 hour should be substantial. Mm-hmm. For me, a 300 hour pra- program should not be substantial. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is that so many people take a 300 hour training at different phases of their development. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people that do my 300 hour program who have never taught yoga before. Mm-hmm. Or they've taught, you know, 100 hours worth of yoga before. But I also have a lot of people who have finished my 300-hour program that have taught for 10 to 25 years. Mm. And they're coming back and they're learning and they're re-inspiring and growing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for me to have someone – like if I knew that everyone that was in my 300-hour program was a truly novice and inexperienced teacher, there would be a lot of – practice teaching in the 300 hour. But like, I just can't have Joanna who's been teaching yoga for 20 years, like practice teaching half sun salutations in a training. Like I can't have her use her time that way. Hmm. But in a 200 hour program, I think, I don't think, I know there's got to be the experience of teaching from day one. Right. So I, so I think my, my gut, feeling on this is still no matter when you start teaching it's going to be difficult it's going to be awkward you're going to have so many things for years to let sink in so do you want to do that with more knowledge and clarity around concepts or less knowledge or and clarity of concepts acknowledging that when you make that transition to teaching, it's going to be really hard anyways. Mm -hmm. So for me, my gut still says the more education, the sooner, the better, if it's a choice. Hmm. If If it's it's a choice. If it's a possibility, yeah. And I, I did have a lot of people also 
respond with that perspective, right? With that perspective of saying, hey, you know what? I started teaching. I did my 200 hour. I taught for two months and I just realized, oh, it's not my lack of teaching experience that's holding me back. It's actually my lack of knowledge. It's actually that this 200 hour program did not adequately prepare me with the techniques and the concepts that made me feel comfortable teaching people. Hmm. So I needed more information sooner in order to feel comfortable with that. Whereas I had other people, and again, people who have done this program and not, but like uh, Brandy and a couple other people wrote in was like, you know, for me, it was really good both as a career, but for me in terms of my maturity to have a big amount of space between my 200 and my 300 hour. Because doing my 300 hour later in my career or a little bit longer in my career, then I really knew what I didn't know. Yeah, I had, you know, I would I had, see, I could see. Yeah, that. I see that too, right? So I had these years teaching and it was really clear to me where my gaps were. Mm-hmm. It was also clear to me what I was truly getting into, mm-hmm. what what the mental and emotional and psychological complexity of being a teacher really is, knowing that going into a 300 hour. And then I had Naomi kind of wrote in and she was talking a little bit about specialization, right? And this was another thing that came out is that some people said, you know, I did my 200-hour program, and I just, in general, really liked yoga. But then after I did my 200-hour program and I taught for a few years, I realized I really want to focus on teaching prenatal yoga. And so it's almost like waiting and having time on the job helped clarify for some people what degree of subspecialization mm-hmm. they wanted to so that when they did their 300-hour program, they were that much more focused. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just more information or, mm-hmm. like I say, more education sooner. Mm-hmm. It was the education that they wanted to have mm-hmm. and that they knew how they were going to apply, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I just – I wanted to have this podcast because this was one of those – this is one of those opportunities to me and that are kind of rare in social media where we get to have, like, I felt like there was a lot of constructive dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's good. Know? Yeah. And, and <laughs> that where, in and of itself deserves highlighting. Yeah. And where, where I kind of felt like, okay, this is one of the reasons I try not to be snarky. You know what I mean? Like people know me well enough usually to know when I'm being snarky, they can be snarky back and kind of push back. Not that not that these not that my students were snarky, but like, hey, no, I th- I have a different point and I want to make it right here. Yeah. Um and I just thought that this is one of those opportunities when we get to have a broader conversation Right. about an important set of topics and and let people make their own decisions. Because I think it's clear that a very good case can be made, like is still my gut saying, I just think you're going to have more comfort and more skill and more opportunity and fewer bad habits to do more education sooner rather than later. Whereas clearly for many other people, having more space and time and focus and maturation and experience before more education is preferable. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like some of it might come down to learning style and the amount of life experience you have in terms of, and I don't actually mean life experience, some of that might, might be the wrong phrase, but I'm thinking how much do you know about where you want to take things? Yeah. Um, I want to just back up though and, and ask you from your personal experience, your program was, I think a thousand hours ish. Yeah. So what did you, clearly that's where you're coming from, which is great. It makes sense. It's the experience that you had. So what did you feel was the, were the advantages to having that many hours, especially coming from a place of having taught with zero hours prior to your training? Well, I think the first thing, again, I just want to point out is that I was able to integrate what I was being taught as a student in my training into my teaching right away for those two years. So were you, you were continuing to teach while you were doing your training? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And my Ashtanga classes at the time were looking less and less and less and less, less like Ashtanga classes Uh and more like thinly veiled Iyengar classes, Uh right? The biggest thing to me was knowing that I knew what I was talking about, knowing that I actually knew that I wasn't repeating a cue, that I was repeating a cue while also understanding the concepts that underscore that cue and the exceptions to that cue. Like, I started to realize that if I were to tell someone in a forward bend to internally rotate the thighs, why I was telling them to internally rotate the thighs, and also that for some people internally rotating the thighs is not the best thing for them to do in that forward bend. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think as teachers, we sometimes, we're sometimes in our own island where people don't say, why? But this is going to happen from time to time. You know when we think we know something and then someone asks us to explain that thing and we realize we don't know that thing? Right. Well, that happened with me a lot before I had much of an education Mm -hmm. because I was repeating instructions. Mm -hmm. And and were they wrong? No. No. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's an early evolution. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if I wanted to learn to play an instrument – I wouldn't start playing that instrument by like writing my own music. I would start by learning notes and playing other people's music. Sure. Right? So simple repetition is a normal stage of development in anything. But it's always amazing when you can connect the dots more than that. Totally. And you have the background information for why that answer Yeah, and, right? Answer. And so – Right, we learn the anatomy, or we learn the sequencing, or we learn this, or you know, one day we're you know, one week we spend twisting without rotating the pelvis and only rotating the spine, and then another week we spend rotating the spine and rotating the pelvis, and then the following week we step back and say, how did these things affect us differently? When you have more immersion in concept and more immersion in technical information, 
then you have a greater understanding of why you're teaching what you're teaching and what the exceptions to that are, which just makes you more empathic. It makes you more compassionate. It makes you more skillful. And, you know, we've already had a conversation about what was the conversation that we have? Sorry. Uh, When people, imposter syndrome. Oh. Right? Like, I never felt like an imposter. Hmm. I never felt like an imposter. And I think part of the reason that I didn't feel like an imposter once I once I like had that education is I had a much clearer understanding of what I knew and what I did not know. Right? And I had a much greater ability to kind of stay in my lane. And then even just like this podcast when I say something strongly and there's a counter narrative or I realize like, oh, well, maybe I'm biased and missing something, then I could go back to it and say, you know what? Last week I was really saying you definitely should not use your glutes and backbends. And now I think I overstated that case. Let's experiment with using our glutes and back. I felt much more comfortable with more education being, I'm trying to think of the right word or um. the being open to just dialogue. Yeah, being open to dialogue because I don't feel as insecure. Right, right, right. So so it's a lot of times we back ourselves into corners when we lack when we lack empathy, when we lack knowledge, and when we are insecure. Mm-hmm. And the less I am those things, the more confident I am, the more I'm actually or the less likely I am to back myself into a corner. I think all of those factors are huge components of having a greater education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? When I met you, you were teaching at Yoga Journal, and it was 2002. How, when when did you graduate? The end of 2001. Wow. And how long had you been teaching in total since before your training? I started teaching in 1998. So you had been Early 1998. Almost four years when I... Yeah. And you were pretty much teaching full-time that whole time? I was teaching a lot, but I wasn't financially full-time. I had other jobs. Okay. So, I mean, I had other jobs until, you know, not that long ago. Well, yeah, but the other jobs, when they, I, they were when I of, knew you were yoga-related... No, I still worked in a warehouse when you knew me. No, I'm anyway, forget it. Okay. But point being, when we first met, I w- had probably just wrapped my more formal education, but I had been teaching for two years prior to that. I taught for two years. And when we say full time, I taught for two years, probably somewhere between three and seven classes per week during those years. Well, I told you unsolicited the other day that when I met you as a teacher, when you were a teacher at Yoga Journal, um, the first few weeks, I think the first two weeks I started there, you must have been on retreat or something because you weren't there and I kept hearing from all the other editors what a great teacher you were and there were subs and there were a couple other teachers at Yoga Journal at the time who were great. Um, Amy Stone was one. She was so, so great. Yeah. Shout out to Amy. I think she's still out there teaching in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. But 
Yeah, your reputation really preceded you. People really talked you up, like Colleen and everybody. It was so intimidating. It was horribly intimidating. Well, the funny thing is, I just, when I met you, I thought you looked like you were so young. Oh my God, I know. (laughs) You were like 27 or something. And, but I remember after your first yoga class thinking, wow, he's a damn good yoga teacher. I'll take that. So... It, to know that you had just pretty much just graduated from that training is that's puts a good perspective on things that you did get. You had both the on the job training and the extensive, specific, deep education going concurrently, and they, they that did work yeah. in your favor. And I do just again want to point it out that this. If there is a big biased error in my original way of thinking about this, it's overlooking the reality that most people aren't doing their training and teaching concurrently. And, and that, or and a lot. I mean, there might be yeah, people who are. Yeah, yeah it yeah, might because, be mixed. You know, and that's where like that. Those were kind of that was the bit of feedback where I was like, oh yes, I kind of. It was, was so different. It was the wild west. It was so then. different. Yeah, it was so different. Mm-hmm. The final thing I want to say before we wrap is I I wrote this part earlier. I'm going to read it again, which is there are exceptional teachers that are helping the world with a 200-hour degree. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to point out- I'm one of them. You are one of them. (laughs) I also want to point out like you don't don't want to, as a yoga teacher, do the same thing that- some people will do with grad school, which is stay in education forever so that you don't have to deal with the reality of teaching that thing. Mm. You know, I also want to acknowledge that sometimes doing more training just confuses the hell out of you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's got to be the right, uh or our our dog sees a fly. She's hunting. Yeah. Um, She's only about 18 feet away from that fly trying to snap it. Okay. But but I I don't it's not like I want to confuse matters right now, but I don't want people leaving this conversation feeling like, oh my God, I'm not good enough because I've only done a two hundred hour. Oh my God. Or criticized I, in some no, way. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. No, it's not about that. It's it really to me, the impetus of this was it's it's about the timeline and it's about the assumption. It's talking to someone and it's about the assumption that that person is going to do a 500-hour training. So it's when they're like, hey, I finished my 200-hour training. Should I do my 300-hour now or wait a few years? So if you are a listener and you're not doing any trainings, that's okay. If you are a teacher and you've only done a 200-hour training and that's the extent of your interest or that's the extent of your resources – or, or that's the extent of, you know, your education for your lifetime or this phase of your lifetime, that's totally okay. This isn't to, to, you know, create some sort of, you know, mandate that people can only help the world via yoga with X amount of hours because all of these hours are really arbitrary anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. and structured training because mm-hmm. someone someone else actually wrote like, well, what about the person that's never done a 
200 hour or a 300 hour, but they've been a dedicated yoga practitioner for 20 years. That person that's been a dedicated practitioner for 20 years might have more experience than someone that can f- finish their 500 hour training, mm-hmm. right? So again, I'm, I'm I don't I'm not trying to create some sort of urgency, some sort of judgment. It's really just talking points about timelines for people that desire the inevitability anyways. Right, 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 right. And and are and feel compelled to make that choice at some point. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 262. And I will include a link to that Instagram post that Jason referenced if you want to add any comments there and keep the dialogue going. Lastly, for the next four weeks, I am going to focus on meditation for the podcast. I am just feeling like I would like to share that practice for all of us, kind of hit the reset button and offer some very simple meditations that you can integrate into your day, either in the morning or in the evening, either before your practice or after either in the middle of your day while you're working, you get the picture. I am really excited to create these for you. So tune in next week. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy your practice.